we, uh, we are all invited, every one of us, on the greatest global project this world has ever seen. And that is to go and make Jesus famous all over the world. And, and um, it's going to require all of us, hey, churches all over the world to, to come because Jesus said, it's, it's through my church that I want to make my manifold wisdom known throughout the world. So we are very grateful for the partnership, uh, very grateful to, you know, work with you, alongside with you to make Jesus famous. And uh, I want to encourage you, you know, it's uh, so often when you're in a church and you're sort of trying and you're doing things, you don't often see the fruit or you don't often see what God is busy doing. But um, for us, it's always a privilege to just keep coming back to the same places and to see the incredible things God is doing in, in spite of our situation and our circumstances and things like that. So, uh, so really grateful to be here, really grateful for the partnership. And thank you for, yeah, for the privilege to share the word with you this morning. So why don't you open your Bibles, uh, really a well-known text, Luke chapter 1. And uh, we're going to just read, a, a, you know, sort of a few verses there from verse 5. And um, what I want to talk about this morning is how can we have hope in a hopeless situation? Hope for the hopeless. Hey, I know that doesn't... It's probably not going to hit home for you, you know, but um, just hypothetically, if you, if you feel hopeless sometimes. So, so let's have a look. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 5. So in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. What an amazing commendation, eh? But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you for your incredible word. Lord, I thank you that your word is timeless, but it's also timely, Lord. And I want to pray this morning, would you come and make your word alive to us? Would you come and unveil to us, remove the curtain as it were, so that we can see you, Lord, 
so we can see what it is that you want to show us, that we can understand what is this incredible life and this journey and this adventure that you are calling us on. Help us, Lord, this morning to, to just understand and, and may your word come and, and, and bring, yeah, come and commission people, come and strengthen people, come and bring hope to people this morning, we pray. We ask you these things in the mighty and the wonderful and the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, if I had to describe two main feelings that many people are feeling today, I don't know if, if it's like here in this country, but let's pick on our country. It probably has to be anger and hopelessness. People are angry because of continual disappointment. They've lost hope and are hopeless because of the situation and circumstance around them. But people are also hopeless. You know, that, that has to, because it just seems like things can never change. Things will never change. So people are angry and hopeless because of the state of, of the country. So we can say they are hopeless politically. People are fearful and hopeless about the moral decay in the world. We can say hopeless spiritually. People are anxious and helpless, sorry, hopeless about the future of their children. If you're a parent, what's the future of your children? So, so we can say many are hopeless physically. So hopeless Politically, spiritually, physically. Now, what I want to say this morning, that this is, isn't the first time that the people of God has found themselves in a hopeless situation, as we will see today. So what you will find over the history of the church is that Christians are actually the most hopeless and the most hopeful people in the world. Okay. Hopeless, for we know that the world we know is coming to an end. Okay? Hopeful, for we know the world is coming to an end. Hey. Which will make actually place for this renewed heavens and renewed earth. And every day, every second of every day, we're moving closer to that day, which will be a day like today, we will hear a trumpet sound. And the whole world will look up and we'll see there the rider on the white horse with fire in his eyes, with his mighty army to come and take us hey, to the very place he's prepared for us. Now in our text today, we find a couple that was hopeless. They were hopeless politically, they were hopeless spiritually, and they were hopeless physically. Let me, let me explain that a little bit. Why hopeless politically? Because they were ruled as a nation by a wicked, evil king called Herod. I don't know if you've ever read about Herod, but he was not a good guy. He actually was a terrible guy. He even, you know, took his brother's wife. He just did, you know, the most crazy things as, as a ruler. So, so here they were under this rulership of this king. They didn't choose. They were hopeless spiritually because for four, 400 years, God seemed to be silent. Where's God. You know, we, we read in the Bible, I don't know if you've seen, end, you know, at the end of the Old Testament, you know, you see the book of Malachi, and, and suddenly there's actually 400 years that, that we call the silent years until God speaks again in what we read in the book of Matthew or Luke, you know, today. It seemed like the promised Messiah, 
this great deliverer they were waiting for is not coming. And they were also hopeless physically because they weren't able to have a child. So, both of them, we see, were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. So, in spite of them living a godly life, God seemingly prevented them from receiving the very thing they so desperately wanted, a child. So let's just consider that a little bit. You see, we can quickly think, because we serve God, because we keep His commandments, because we live blamelessly before Him, that God now needs to give us what we want. Yes? Only one of us. When we want it. You see, if that's the case, then I am God. And He's my servant. Yes? If God gives me my will and what I want, then I'm God. But that's not the way it works. You see, we need to rather actually get to know this God. You know, I, I don't know if, you, if, you, if you've raised kids or, or have kids. You know, you don't give your two-year-old this big knife to play with. Say, go play, have fun. Yes? We would say that's irresponsible. And so often we are like that two-year-old crying because doesn't, God doesn't want to give us this knife to play with. At the time, we don't understand why. But later, we understand. And in the same way, God says, if we know as sinful parents how to help our children know what's best for them at the right time, what are the things, God says, how much more does he know? Who knows the future and the present and the past, all like we see everything right now. So we are rather called to be guided by faith that he is a good God and that he knows best. I tell you, though, you, the most powerful revelation you could probably have in this life is to know that God is good and that he knows best. If I can just settle that thing in my heart, then I'm, I will be able to face many things in my life. Because, you know, the enemy is always trying to tell me God is not good. See Zechariah, see Elizabeth, you see, how can a good God not give you children? You're so blameless and upright and all of these things. And, and so often we, we can miss this, you know. But what does the word say? The word says, in the end, when all things, you know, all things will work out for good. Not all good things. All things will work out for good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. Which means, this is what the sovereignty of God means. It means if I know right now everything that God knows, I will do exactly what he does. Yes? Do you agree? There's some things, and, 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 and I love, you know, we've recently as a church gone through the book of Revelation, and if there's a main theme, it is things are not as it seems. And we have to understand, and we have to be, be comfortable with, there's just some mystery that sometimes things are not as they seem. I remember when we, on our property, we, we commissioned someone to build a tar road, sort of in our parking, sort of in, and then there's a panhandle, you call it, hey, eh? out to the back, you know, on another property taking you out, sort of a one way in, one way out, and uh, we commissioned someone, and now every week I get there, and, you know, I see a few of these uh, big trucks and some things every now and then, but it doesn't seem like something's happening. 
So after a couple of, I don't know, month or two, eventually I say to the guy that's sort of running with a project, I'm like, what's going on here? You know, we've commissioned this guy and, you know, we've paid money and what's, nothing is happening. And he says, now just come with me. And we went and we sort of, there was a wall dividing the in and the out roads. So we sort of stood here and just peered over the wall and there was a perfect tar road already done. Okay, things are not as they seem. So on this side, it seemed like nothing was happening. But when I started to look over the wall, actually something has already been happening. And can I say in the same way, let us never think things are not happening. Let us not allow what I see with my physical eyes to hinder me because things are not as they seem. Maybe you can identify with this hopeless situation. Let's call them Zach and Beth. Hey, to just modernize their names a bit. That they were facing a time of crushed hopes, a time of great sadness, a, a time of unfulfilled expectations. And then suddenly... At God's appointed time, in this hopeless place, an angel of God suddenly appears to them. I want to say to you this morning, King City Church, are you ready for the suddenly of God? Yes? Are you ready? Are you ready for answered prayer? Zechariah wasn't. When the prayer was answered, this is a priest. <laughs> he wasn't ready. And he, was, he couldn't talk for a long time until his son was born. Eh? And yet the angel comes promising them a son. And not just any son, but the very one who was prophesied. The one who was going to prepare the way for the Lord. The Messiah they've been waiting for for centuries. So here's our first big lesson here. Their hopes and prayers for a son was actually heard. So often we think God does not hear us. Anyone like that? Just one of us. The rest are all lying. Eh? We can pray for you afterwards. Their hopes and prayers was heard. Do you know that God always hears your prayer? The answer is yes, if it happens. It's no, doesn't happen. Or not yet sometimes. This was a not yet answer. Okay, again, is he good? Can we trust him to do what is good for us? Yet it wasn't the right time. What are you praying for right now? Are you still praying? Are you still trusting God? Maybe it's just not the right time yet. But whatever suddenly comes tomorrow, will you be ready? For the birth of their son had to line up with the birth of God's son. That's why they had to wait. You see, so they didn't have that perspective. They didn't understand that these, their son had to line up with God's son so that prophecy could be fulfilled, so that this suddenly could take place. I have learned, maybe you too, that even the right thing in the wrong time is still the wrong thing. Therefore, the best you and I can do is to actually just surrender to God's will and timing for your life. To wait on God to do what He said He will do and to wait for His timing, which is always perfect in the end, if you're honest. It doesn't come when you want and that's why we often get frustrated because I know in my own life I get frustrated because I'm trying to move ahead of God's timeline. Yes? 
That's why God says, you know, even his word is like a lamp. If you walk in a dark place, a lamp sort of just shows you where's the next step. It doesn't say it's like a spotlight. I wish it was a spotlight. We could see way ahead some things. No, no, God says, no, no, just take the next step. Just take the next step home. Now, what I want to highlight from my text today is really four key things. Firstly, the God of the Bible is a God of hope who gives hope to the hopeless. Secondly, that God's silence does not mean his absence. Thirdly, is it possible to have hope in any and every season or circumstance? And then fourthly, if that's so, how does hope begin? How is hope birthed in our lives? Okay, so let's have a look. Number one, the God of the Bible This God who invites us into a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, is a God of hope who gives hope to the hopeless. You see, since the beginning of creation, we see that God's will and actions in our lives is not dependent on the time we live in. Do you know that? God is not limited to our economic, you know, situation or circumstances. He, you know, it's, it's not limited to the state of the economy of this country. Do you know that? I mean, if God can feed, um, what's it, millions of people every day with, what's it, birds and angels' bread in a, in a wilderness in the middle of nowhere, can he not take care of you here in Zimbabwe? Eh? That same God, can he do it? God is not limited to the government ruling over us, as we see in our text today, or our physical limitations, or our difficult circumstances we find ourselves in. Our hope is rather dependent on God's sovereignty, His power, His love, His kindness, and His grace towards us, His children. That's why Jesus says, don't pray like the pagans to some unknown God, you know, throwing some, you know, what's it, phrases in the air hoping something will stick. No, you have a father. You have a father. He says, let let nature be your teacher. Go outside. See how God provides. Look at those beautiful flowers. Look look at the extravagance with which God works in nature. How much more will he not take care of you, his children, if he takes care for grass that's here today and gone tomorrow? Now for me, if I think of hope, a Christmas tree is actually probably for me one of the greatest examples of that, where actually hope and light actually goes together. What do I mean? When you look at a Christmas tree, it really lights up the tree. But when you look at a Christmas tree, what's the first thing you do? Or what I do, or my kids do, I look down. Yes, as nice as the trees, I look down to see what's at the bottom of the tree, yes? So, when I see the light of the tree, it gives me hope. And as I see, you know, the light, I start to get hope to look down and see what gift is under the tree. And this is what gives us hope. Now, isn't this how the prophets of the Old Testament and the Apostle John actually spoke about Jesus coming? Like a great light. So again, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Or there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. 
He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. So in our story, darkness and hopelessness was a present reality for them. Again I say, hopelessness politically, spiritually, physically. But even though the darkness and the hopelessness was true, there was a light that was coming. That was also true. So, I don't know if you remember, there was a story in 2010 of the Chilean miners. Miners in, in, the, in the country called Chile, um, who were trapped when the mine they were working in collapsed. I don't know if you ever heard the story. Now what happened was, 33 of them were trapped 700 meters underground when this mine collapsed. Five miles from the entrance, and it took 69 days for them to be rescued. Trapped in this hole, 700 meters down, five kilometers from the entrance, this is where they were. And while the rescuers were drilling, drilling holes, trying to find if there's any survivors, when they pulled up one of the drill bits, there was a note attached to it. And this note read, we are well, in a shelter, 33 of us. Okay, so let's consider this in light of our text. So they were trapped in darkness with no way out. They needed to be rescued by someone from the outside. As the holes were drilled, light started to break into their darkness. They were in. Eh? It was the sound of the drilling and the light breaking through that gave them hope. Okay. In a far greater way, Jesus came looking for us in this dark world. When we were trapped in our sin, unable to save ourselves. You see, that is the good news is I cannot save myself. I'm trapped like these miners, I'm stuck. I need someone from the outside to come and rescue me. So Jesus came into this world and what did he do? He brought light. Every word he spoke, every miracle he did was like a drill piercing into the darkness. A drill piercing into the hopelessness of this world in people's lives. To light what? The way to the Father. To light the way for us to be saved. And this light is what has given millions of believers hope. The hope that those who put their faith in Jesus, though they die, they, yet they shall live. So point number one, as we said, God is a God of hope. How did he bring hope? By bringing light. Who was the light? Jesus Christ coming into this earth like those drill bits, drilling into the darkness of those things around us. And can I say in the same way, he has commissioned you and me to be like drills, bringing the word of God to drill into the darkness, into the hopelessness of people's lives. Number two, God's silence does not mean his absence. You see, even though there's been a long wait of more than 400 years since the last prophet spoke, God was not absent, but actually intentionally and actively working behind the scenes to get this world ready for his son. Why 400 years? Let me tell you what happened in those 400 years. Firstly, all the exiles were commanded under the Persians. They were commanded by the Persian king to go back to the countries they were 
exiled from. Next, the Greeks took over the Persians, conquered the Persians. What are the Greeks? What are the Greeks good at? Apart from food, of course. What are they good at? Language. So they gave one language to the known world then. Okay, so now exiles are going back. The Greeks give, you know, the whole world suddenly starts to speak one language called Greek. And then thirdly, they then get, get conquered by the Maccabees. And what the Maccabees did was, because the people of God were so, you know, under different rulers and, and who served many different gods, they brought the people back to serving one God again. And then they are conquered by the Romans. So when I end the Old Testament, I see the Persians. When I open the New Testament, I see the Romans. This is what happened in 400 years. What did the Romans do? What are they good at? Building roads. And they brought peace. So what they did was, they were connecting all the world, the known world, with roads. And people could safely travel from city to city. Was God absent? Was God silent? It seemed like they were just passed from one you know, ruler to another, but behind the scenes, God was preparing the world so that when Jesus came, everyone could speak one language. It was easy to go from town to town, and everyone started to again believe that there's one God, and he brought all of them. The gospel could spread in the rapid way in which it spread, so which is, what does it mean for us? What if God is doing something incredible right now? You just don't see it. Yes? Again, we, have, we need different eyes. We, we see difficulty and difficult circumstances. You're hopeless politically, spiritually, physically. But behind the scenes, God is at work. Friends, irrespective, we, 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 you know, the, the historians wants us to believe that history goes in a circle. But when I read the Bible, history doesn't go in a circle, it's in one line. We are heading straight towards one point, and that's when Jesus is coming back. So, maybe it feels like God is absent in your life right now. Maybe it feels like God doesn't hear your prayers. Be encouraged by this word, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you, never, nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Christ in us is our hope and glory, which means he is in you and he is with you. So let me give you another illustration to try and prove this point. There's this tribe in the Amazon, that big forest in America, South America. And this tribe has got a ritual. When, when, when the young, young boys earn a, you know, are a certain age, they have to go and stay a night out in a forest. Okay, I don't know if you've been in the Amazon. I haven't been, but apparently, you know, spiders this size here is that size there, and everything is just bigger. But here's this boy now in this, you know, um, forest, all alone. Now, can you just imagine this young boy? It's getting darker. So, probably the first thing he does is try to find a big tree or maybe a rock or something, you know, to cover his back so that he can watch to see what's happening in front of him. And suddenly, you know, you can just imagine how his mind and imagination is starting to play tricks on him. He starts to see eyes, he hears sounds, he tricks, you know, 
maybe there's uh, twigs breaking and you just imagine how petrified and anxious that boy is. Definitely not sleeping that night, eh? And the whole night just probably sitting there anxious, stressing, fearful, you know, what, you know, it's like, am I going to make it to the night? Will something come and catch me or kill me or something like that? And as the morning starts to come, he sees something. There's like a silhouette there very close to him. And, and as the sun comes, the closer he looks, he sees this, there's an archer, a warrior standing there with his bow and arrow. And as he looks closer, he sees that's actually his dad. So the whole night, he was afraid, anxious, fearful, but his dad was actually there right watching over him the whole night. How much more? How much more? is our Father, our King Jesus, not only with us, but watching over us. Lord, give us eyes to see. Help us see that you are with us. He cannot leave us nor forsake us. He is with us. Number three, is it possible to have hope in any every, in every season? Like you don't know my situation, don't know where I'm at. Well, to have hope, we need to learn to put our trust and focus on the source of hope rather than hope itself. You know, they often I hear on the television or wherever, movies, they, they say, you know, I hope it all goes well or I pray all goes well. But what does that even mean? You know, it's really just I hope things, things are okay. I hope it turns out well. But what we are called to is to put our hope in the object or the substance of hope rather than the idea of hope. So, I hope things are going to get better in this country. I hope things are going to, you see, as long as we put our hope in hope, I don't know, I don't think much is going to happen. But the more we start to transfer our trust and hope into the source of hope, who is he? Hey, Jesus Christ. When we put our, our source in him, Lord Jesus, would you come and do something incredible here, hey? You see, hope is a fruit of faith. Hope is connected to faith. Hope is actually like someone describes it. Hope, you know, faith is like a ladder that you climb. And as I start to, because of the ladder, I can get higher and higher up. And because of that ladder, I'm able to see something over the wall. That's what hope is. You see, so often we try and disconnect hope from faith. You see, God, you know, what we are called to is to trust His Word, to get to know Him in His Word, and, and that stirs faith in us. And as the more faith is being stirred in me, the more I understand this God that I'm serving, it's going to grow hope in my life. Hey? Faith and hope go together. Many people are hoping for many things, yet only the Christian has access to real hope, which is found in God through Jesus Christ. If you put your hope in God, you cannot out-hope God. And He will give us strength to have hope, even in hopeless situations. How do I know this? Well, let's use an easy example. Philippians. Philippians 4. Here is Paul in prison. Attached probably to a soldier. Beaten in this prison. What does he, you know, what does he do? He's crying out, why me, God? Why did I do wrong, God? I just tried to serve you, God. Is that what he does? 
No. Go read Philippians 4. It says, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. It's like, how can someone in prison say rejoice? Because he was able to zoom out. He was able to see what he is going through in the context of the big story of what God is busy doing. That's why he was able to have hope. Again, I say, if you want to have hope, we need to firstly believe God is good. He's a good father. And we need to know that he's got good things for us. He wants to take care of us. Hey, and that's going to help us. And, and, and we want to get to know him and, and, and trust his promises. You know, as I said to the guys the other day, you know, Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, used to say, he says, mature prayer is this. You see, often for us, prayer is divine complaining. Or bring our shopping list before God. Hey? He says, mature prayer is this. You start to remind God of his promises. So can I say, do you know God's promises? His whole word is full of promises. So sometimes my kids, it's a Saturday morning and it's been a long week and they say, let's go do something or this or that. I say, no, no, not today. I'm just at a long week. I need a break, you know. But dad, you said. And I'm like, oh, yes, I said. Okay, I'm sure God is not like that. So I'm still a work in progress. So how much more? When we start saying, Lord, but did you not say? So what are you facing right now? Health, health issue, barrenness, financial issue, political issue. What are you facing right now? What does God's word say? Lord, did you not say this? Is this what you said, Lord? And we start to call God. He loves that. Remind him of his promises. Fourthly, last point, how does hope begin? How is hope birthed? The hope that the Bible speaks about that many disciples of Jesus put their faith in for centuries can only be found when you are born again, when you put your trust in Jesus. Let me read to you Romans 5. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Who's rejoicing in their sufferings? <laughs> because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You know, James writes on this, he says, who's going through a trial? Is anyone here going through a trial? He says, have a big party. Not a pity party. He says, invite your friends. Count it all joy when you suffer. I mean, who of you have just said, you know, um, Saturday, can you all come to my house? There's going to be a big cake and jumping castles and, you know, there's going to be food and lamb on the spit. We're just going to have so much fun. Why? Because I'm going through a trial. You see, again, so often we, we pray, Lord, change me, but then he changes us. We're like, Lord, what are you doing to me? I want more faith, Lord. Well, Unfortunately, I can't take a tablet and I have faith then. No, he's going to put me in a situation to grow my faith. 
And again, we know, you know, in this life, again, so often suffering and, and, and trials is like a fire. So what does fire do? Fire consumes anything that can be consumed, but it purifies things that cannot be consumed. So God in this life is, 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 is doing incredible things in our lives. You know, we have this lady in our church, always loves, she says, I said, how's it going? She says, no, the Lord is building a testimony in my life, which means I'm going through a trial at the moment. Hey? We all love testimonies. I mean, who wants, a, who wants a testimony? But no one wants the test to go through and then have the testimony. Hey? So in the world, there is darkness and hopelessness. Yet in Jesus, we find faith and light which leads us to hope. What the miners heard, the sound of the drilling, is what gave them faith. What they saw, the light piercing through, is what gave them hope. So in the same way, as you and I start to speak and proclaim and share the word of God, what does it do? It starts to give people hope and as they start to get hope they will start to see the light and as they start to see the light the light will start to point them to the great rescuer Jesus Christ Amen. so therefore we need to hear the sound of the word of God which will grow our faith and the more we hear the word and believe it we will see and experience the light which will give us hope faith and hey these two things working together so 2,000 years ago, like a Christmas tree, on a different kind of tree, there was a bright light. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, hanging on a cross, the hope of the world. What was at the foot of this tree? What was at the foot of the cross was the greatest gift ever given to mankind. The sinless, perfect blood of Jesus that was shed for you and me to wash away our sins and to reconcile us to this Father, to reconcile us to God, relationship to Him. And then shortly after, pouring out His Spirit to empower us, to lead us in this great mission to make Jesus famous all over the world. That's why John says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is what we put our hope in. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? What's the point? Let me end with this story. There was this um, missionary who went to Africa for many years, gave the, this couple giving their lives, giving their lives to the mission field. And as they were sort of heading, so say in their 80s, they were heading back. They came from America. You know, America, they always send the missionaries, supposedly. Okay, I'm just teasing. So, uh, so here this guy comes, him, him and his wife comes back, and that time they still had these ships, so they weren't planes, and as they were on the ship heading towards this New York harbor, he said to his wife, I wonder if they'll remember us. After all these years, giving our lives to God in his service to be on mission. And as they were heading into this, this uh, harbor, 
he looked and he said, and he saw there was a band and there was a red carpet and there was all these crowds. And he said to his wife, look, see, they didn't forget. They remember. They remember. And as he was about to confidently step off the ship, the security said, no, wait. And here comes a whole party of people. And it was the president who went hunting for three weeks in Africa. Okay? There was not even one person to welcome this couple back. And he was, of course, very disappointed. Okay? And he was like wherever, sitting in his flat or wherever he was at, and he was all angry at God. And I've given you my life. I've given everything. It's not even one person. I come home, and there's not even one person to say, welcome to me. And then he felt God say to him, but you are not home yet. You see, friends, we can either be angry and anxious and worry and reject difficult situations, circumstances, okay? and be angry at God, or we can realize this is not our final resting place. This is not our final destination. Actually, what this life is about now, once you are saved, is to be like John the Baptist, to go and prepare the way for the Lord. That's why we're here. That's why we're on this life. And, and, and some of us will have more than others and some will have less. Whatever the outcome, it's not about that. The point is, there's a day coming where Jesus will return. And until that day, he calls you and me in difficult situations and circumstances. He's calling us to say, I want you to be like those Chilean miners, to go and share my word, to bring hope. So that my word can start to pierce the darkness in the city, the darkness in people's lives. So that the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ can come into people's hearts. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, our righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You see, friend, how can you and I have hope? On, what is it? 7 May 2023 in Bulawayo, Zimbabwe. How? Because we know the source of all hope. And we know what he has called us to. And as we do his work, he wants to do incredible things in and through us. Because this is not the end. Even if you become 80 years, 90 years, 100 years, I don't know, if you drink lots of, what's it, Bulawayo milk, apparently very good for you. Even if you become 100 years, what does that compare to a million years, compared to an eternity? Let us again remind ourselves why we're here. Let's not look out there at what we don't see. Let's rather allow God to use us so that we can see what we don't see right now. Amen. Yeah. Why don't we stand here? Yeah.